0: Okay, so uh, this morning we uh, continue on in our sermon series, titled Freedom in Christ. Uh, Last week uh, we spent time thinking about freedom from lies. Uh, This morning we're taking time to examine what it looks like for you and I to be a people who experience uh, freedom from fear, freedom from fear. Uh, Our main text this morning is Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. So let's have a look at this passage together. Uh, The words are going to be up on the screen as well. Matthew uh, says this, starting in verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat, speaking of Jesus, and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up in the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves Because the wind was against them, Jesus came toward them walking in the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking in the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you in the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking in the water. And came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. Amen. Uh, This morning... As we take time to to think and reflect on the subject of fear and what it means to be free from fear, um, I thought it would be helpful to look at a dictionary definition, the Cambridge Dictionary definition um, on fear, uh, what it is, how it can impact our lives. Uh, Yes, we all know what fear is deep down, but sometimes for the sake of clarity, it's helpful to have it on the screen just so we can understand in a much clearer way the reality of fear in our lives. Uh, Fear is an unpleasant emotion or thought that you have when you are frightened or worried by something dangerous, painful, or bad that is happening or might happen. Let me read that again. Fear is an unpleasant emotion or thought that you have when you are frightened or worried by something dangerous, painful, or bad that is happening or might happen. Now, I would say this definition does not go far enough. Because we can be afraid and we can have absolutely no idea why we're afraid. Um, We can be afraid of being afraid. Uh, We can be worried about being worried. We can be anxious about being anxious. Uh, Fear can hit us at any moment in time. It can be the unexpected or unwanted guest in our lives. It can often stem... From a number of seen and unseen factors. Fear mani- manifests itself in a wide variety of ways within our society. Medical consensus would tell you that there are over 500 registered fears or phobias. 500. Uh, and again, I think we could say that there's probably a lot more than that because we can be afraid of anything. That's a reality. We can be scared of anything. Fear can be rational or irrational, righteous or unrighteous, long term or short term, all depending on what that fear actually is. I share all of that in the context uh, of what has been an interesting journey um, in preparation for this sermon. Um, My prep did not go how I intended. Um, God had other ideas. I had it all planned out. Most of it was written out a clear idea of what my points would be. I sent them to Samuel yesterday. And then last night, late last night, half past nine at night, I had this uneasiness with what I'd written. I wasn't really happy with it. And to such an extent that I realized I'm going to have to, re- to rewrite uh, this whole thing. And I've got a completely different passage with completely different points now. So ironically, for me this morning, the temptation having been up all night writing a new sermon, is to now be afraid that it's not going to work out. And that is irony of ironies. Um, But what sense would it make for me to preach freedom from fear and be clearly someone who is not living in such a way that I am free from fear? That would make no sense whatsoever. That would be ridiculous, slightly comical. Um, This morning we're thinking about freedom from fear. And I want us to understand that we're doing so uh, through this passage in Matthew's gospel. As we think about fear, the only place we can go is the word of God. And I'm just going to trust that God's going to lead us in this time and use this in a way which I hope, by God's grace, is going to be helpful. As we look at this passage together, what we discover is that to be a man or woman of God who is free from fear, it's not an easy thing. Let's just put our hands up and recognize It, it is not an easy thing to be free from fear. And we're just going to go through a number of points based upon this passage and we see how it is a challenge, but we also see how possible it is to be free from fear and the power of God's Spirit. The first point I want to share from this passage is this, freedom from fear means we will not be immune to the temptation of fear. Freedom from fear means we will not be immune to the temptation of fear. And I want us this morning to have a look at what it is that Matthew tells us in verse 25 of our passage. The disciples get into the boat. Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray. There was a huge storm. The disciples are in the midst of a storm. They're getting battered by the waves. And we read this. Jesus came toward them walking in the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking in the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. So the disciples are afraid. They're afraid most likely because it's dark, because there's a storm, because Jesus' appearance comes at this unexpected moment. But most significant of all, they're afraid because he's walking on water. So it makes sense that they see Jesus and they cry out, it's a ghost. We understand why fear is a reality for these men at this particular point. But this is more than fear. Matthew tells us they were terrified. They were petrified. They were overwhelmed by what they perceived to be a very real and unknown threat to their lives. Now the question I want to ask this morning is this, was this a sinful reaction from the disciples? Was this a sinful response? They see Jesus walking in the water. They see someone walking in the water. They think it's a ghost. Was this sinful? Are they lacking in faith? Are they lacking in trust? Are they choosing to respond to this moment apart from God? Well, the case for both yes and no could be made here, I think. Ultimately, we do not know what was going on in, in the disciples' hearts, but what we can say is that a temptation to fear is not sinful. If you are tempted to fear... That's not a sinful thing. The immediate emotional reaction of fear also is not always sinful. But what is sinful is when we choose to dwell in fear, when we choose to meditate upon it. Instead of contemplating on God's faithful love, we choose to contemplate on what it is we're afraid of, to rest in anxiety, to swim in worry at the expense of God's promise and His word. That's sinful. There is every chance that they experience these instant emotions of anxiety, fear, and terror, which then, as a result, causes them to not trust in God and his grace and his strength and his protection. Their emotion was a natural response to a frightful event, and their continued fearful response perhaps was sinful because it was not in faith, and anything that is not in faith is sin, as James says. So that would be my understanding of what is going on in this passage, and without question, This was a moment of real testing for these disciples. And in this test, they ultimately, in the end, chose to to rely, to depend upon themselves and not in God. And I've wrestled with this because, I don't know about you, but I can so relate to this moment, not in terms of seeing someone walk in water. I've never seen that before. But in terms of just moments where something just happens, all of a sudden, and you experience this emotion of fear, And sometimes you just don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to react. Uh, This week I was walking to church. It was very, very early in the morning. It was still dark. It was cold. There was a bit of a fog. And as I leave my estate, I start to walk towards the end of Carntine Road at the crossroads with Todd Street. And there's a group of guys, about four or five of them, they're standing in the middle of the road and they're shouting at each other. So I'm walking down Carntine Road on the other side and they start to walk in the middle of the road and they start to kind of veer towards me towards my side of the street and as I'm walking they're eventually right beside me and it's clear these guys are under the influence of something uh, and one of the guys shouts over here mate and I know without question this is for me he's speaking to me in this moment and I'm thinking to myself here we go so it's all going to kick off here. So I look up, and I just give this kind of positive visual response uh, to his willingness to communicate to me at 6 o'clock in the morning, so early in the morning. And as he sees me, um, and I see him, he smiles. And I still don't really understand what happened here, but he says, Picora. And your reaction was my reaction. So I hear this and I'm like, did I just hear him shout Pecora? Uh, inside I'm like, what are you talking about, mate? Obviously he is under the influence. Outside though, I'm smiling and nodding. Cheers mate, yep. And I still have no idea why I shouted "Picora." It's six o'clock in the morning, half cut. Now as I'm walking towards these guys, there was an instant emotion of fear. So I saw these guys in the middle of the street standing in the road shouting at each other. It's dark. I experience this emotion of fear. And a couple of scenarios of what potentially might happen to me are actually running through my head. So I'm walk- walking down the street and I'm thinking, this is it. This is the end, you know. But immediately I just start to pray. And I just start to ask God for protection. I'm walking down this, this side of the street. I'm walking towards these guys and I'm just saying, God, protect me in this moment. I've got no idea if these guys are dodgy or are good, or something in between. But God, just watch over me. So I move from a place of fear to a place of trust, and that was achieved through prayer, as the Spirit prompted me. I believe, and I'm still trying to work out why did he shout Pecora? <laughs> the issue is not whether or not you'll be tempted to be afraid, you will be tempted to be afraid in certain moments, and the issue is is not whether or not you'll experience that initial moment of fear, particularly when something surprising hits you, like that hit me, the issue is, how are you going to respond in this moment, if you experience that emotion of fear, how are you going to respond, God has given you an opportunity here to trust him, to pray, to ask for instead of fear, you would experience peace. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in Philippians 4, 6-7. He says, don't worry about anything, but fear applies to this as well. Do not be afraid. Do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. Anything. But in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus so do not worry do not be afraid our immediate spiritual reaction has to be prayer so we experience this, this fear in our lives and we then choose to pray and ask ask God for help and the promise is God's peace the peace of God will surpass all understanding so we might look at a situation And it may just seem impossible. We can't logically understand how we're going to get through this. And yet, Paul says in Philippians 4, God's peace will surpass your attempt to try and understand what's going on here. And it will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So let this be your response and not the response of the disciples. When you encounter these potentially fearful moments, And this brings us on to our next point this morning. As we think about freedom from fear, freedom from fear means that we must focus on the Word of God. So prayer is vital when it comes to a response to fearful moments, as the Apostle Paul alludes to here. But alongside prayer, we need to pay attention to, we need to meditate on what it is that God has to say to us. So yes, we experience this moment of fear, but we then need to shift our focus on what it is we experience to what God's Word says and these disciples are clearly terrified. Jesus then has something to say to them. The word of God speaks to these disciples in the boat. And we read reading verse 27 of our passage. Immediately Jesus spoke to them, have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. In other words, because I'm with you right now, because I am with you right now, there is no reason for you to be afraid. Zero. No reason. So the truth is that the presence of Jesus in your life will completely remove, will definitively cast out every single fear. When when Jesus is with you, there is no room for fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And we draw near to God's presence when we have a close relationship to his word. You can't draw near to God and not be connected to his word. And the promises that are found in his word and this is similar to what we looked at last week. If we are to be a people who remove lies, then we must be a people who replace those lies with truth. And often attached to our fears, our lies, we can experience deception, falsehood about who God is, about who we are, about what might happen to us in our lives. And as a church, we have to be a people who substitute the wide variety of fears we may experience with the truth and the promise of God's word. And there's so much for us to learn when it comes to fear and God's promises. As we see from our passage, it seemed to have changed Peter for a brief moment. He went from being with the other disciples completely terrified to someone who is full of faith. Something changes in Peter. And he became this person immediately after he heard Jesus tell him, have courage it's I. don't be afraid, to someone who is actually able to trust God in that short moment because something else happens after that. You know, if you were to survey the number of times that the Bible tells us do not be afraid, or words to that effect, you would find over 145 occasions where the Bible tells us do not be afraid, or something similar to that. It's a fresh reminder. We are to be a people who fear not. And we're not going to list all of these this morning, don't worry but it's a reminder of the emphasis that Scripture has when it comes to how it is we are to live our lives. Do not be afraid. I say that to all of you this morning. Do not be afraid of what it is you're going through. If we are to be a people who experience a full and complete freedom from fear, then we need to do two things when it comes to the Word of God. We need to be a people who, who hold on to all the promises from God's Word that call us not to be afraid, but we also need to be a people who hold on, who hold on to all of the commands from God's Word That make us courageous, that really focus on the positive aspects of God's promises because of Christ, because of who he is and because of what he has done for us. So it's one thing not being afraid, we hold on to those commands, but it's another thing then holding on to all that God calls us to with regards to being courageous in Christ, and we need both. We choose not to be afraid by being courageous in Christ. And as I said, there are so many verses that point to this. So my encouragement to you this morning is to read these promises, to write them down, to speak them out, to share them, to memorize them, to meditate on them, to listen to them, to study them, to sing them, to hold on to these promises in every season of your life. Because it is for your good, it's for your well-being. This morning, I'm just going to invite you to take stock of what John Piper says on this subject of fear and anxiety. He writes this, he says, Jesus assumes that truth, reasons, arguments, facts affects or influences the emotions. Anxiety is an emotion, it is not a decision. We don't decide to get anxious, it happens to us. Jesus attacks anxiety with truth, facts, promises, and reasons. Therefore, he must believe that his word given to our souls will have an emotional, even physical effect. There are dozens and dozens of commands to the emotions in the Bible. Along with them, there are truths to bring about what is commanded. Some will say, well, that doesn't work for me. When I hear truth, it doesn't have an emotional effect on me. It doesn't take away my anxiety. It works where the truths are believed and trusted, where there is faith. If the Bible's arguments are not having an effect on you, it's because you have little faith in what it says. Faith is massively important here. We must trust. We must believe what Jesus says. So challenged by that. It's one thing reading these promises. It's another thing then believing them. Really trusting and holding on to what God's word says and letting that govern your heart and mind. So, that's the second point. Freedom from fear means we must focus on the word of God. And by focus, I mean believe. Believe the word of God. Trust in the word of God. Brings us on to our third point. Freedom from fear means... Jesus will lead us into faith opportunities. It's not always easy to be found in those moments where we have to have faith, but it's so important for us. If we are going to be a people who are free from fear, he's going to put us in situations where we have to trust him. And that's not an easy experience, but it's so vital. In faith, we will have to overcome our fear by actively choosing to fix our eyes on Jesus. And in doing this, We believe that Jesus is greater, Jesus is more powerful than any danger or potential danger that might exist in our lives. And this is what we see in our passage through the example of Peter. We see someone who actively chooses to follow Jesus' commands for his life. So no matter how impossible, how daunting it might appear to be, Peter believes Jesus and Peter pursues Jesus in this passage. So verses 28 to 29, we read this. Uh, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you in the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking in the water and came toward Jesus. Now, Peter initiates this moment. And we often think that Peter's just doing this of his own volition. We think Peter's trying to prove to Jesus that he is someone who is courageous, a man full of faith. But we forget that Peter saying this to Jesus does not necessarily mean it originated from Peter. Jesus had been with Peter. Jesus had exampled to Peter what it meant to live a life that was for God. Jesus had prepared Peter for this moment. And so Peter has been impacted by Jesus. And it's clear that he does want to please and honor him. But it's from a context in which Jesus has discipled Peter. And Jesus knew as a result that this is what Peter needed to do here. And it's exactly what Jesus wanted for him. So Jesus says to Peter, come, come. And you wonder what the disciples were thinking at this moment in time. What was going through their heads? They saw Peter obey Jesus and they see Peter walking on the water. Now, how did they see this? How did they express this outwardly? as we not only saw Jesus walk in the water, but we actually saw Peter walk in the water as well, it must have been an incredible moment for these disciples in the boat. And this morning, as we think about freedom from fear, I want us to take stock of the significance of what was going on here. What is this moment when Jesus calls Peter to come? For us, what is this moment but a picture of our own salvation? Jesus calls Peter to come, but Jesus he has also called every single one of us, come, come. So if you have faith in Christ today, this is your testimony. He has called you. He has said, come, and you have obeyed him. You have chosen to follow him. You have responded in faith to Christ. Let me say, as a vitally, vitally important side note, when it comes to living a life that is free from fear, This picture of Jesus calling Peter has to be has to be your starting point as we think about God calling us into faith opportunities. It has to begin with that initial faith opportunity where you begin that relationship with Him. You have to positively respond to His call to come. If you don't, if you don't, then you will not understand what it means to be free from fear. So I'm going to invite you, if you've not made Jesus your Lord and Savior. What's stopping you? You can do that today. That is your foundation for any experience of freedom from fear. So Jesus calls Peter to come. And for us, this is a picture of our salvation. But for Peter, this was another opportunity to trust Jesus. And we need to understand that a life in Christ is a life where we respond to that initial faith opportunity. And from there, we have regular faith opportunities, moments, moments, tests where Jesus says to us who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust me or are you going to trust something else or yourself? God is constantly putting us to the test to identify what it is we're going to rest in and depend on. and I think we can all relate to that. There are so many scenarios, moments in our lives where we feel we're being tested by God and God is saying who will you trust today? Will you trust in me? Or will you trust in something else? The reality is we love being safe. Amen. We love being safe. We love being secure. We love knowing what is going to happen to us. The truth of the matter is none of that is going to help us. As we think about being a people who grow in our walk and relationship with Christ, we have to choose faith and not fear. And to choose faith as to places and in uncomfortable moments. Opportunities for faith. Are we ready to be led by Jesus? Are you ready to be led by Jesus into all that he has for you? And this brings us on to our next point as we think about what it looks like to be free from fear. Number four, freedom from fear means we do then actually have to choose faith over fear. It's a choice. We have to make a choice for faith over and above fear. Let's have a look at what we, what we read in verse 30. Matthew says, But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. <laughs> now, the very fact that Peter was focused on the strength of the wind tells us what? It tells us he was not focused on Jesus. If he's looking at the wind, he can't look at the wind, but if he's looking at the effects of the wind, then he is not looking at Christ. So he made an active choice to let fear overtake his heart so that he was afraid of his external circumstances over and above the presence of Jesus and his command to come. And we all face this challenge. We can easily focus on our external circumstances. We have an active, regular choice to decide what it is we're going to choose, faith or fear. We all have that choice every day. For us, it will not be in the circumstances that Peter found himself in, but it can still be a very real and tangible choice between something we feel threatened by and what God has promised through our relationship with him. Uh, To help us understand the challenge that Peter faced, I want us just to think about some common fears that we have from time to time. And these, you could argue, and we're just going to highlight ten, what are ten of the most commonly held fears. In our culture, and most likely our lives. So as I share these, my guess is that this list will not be a surprise to you. As you think about what I share and connect with, you'll see something of that being a, rea- a reality in your own life and also a reality in our culture. And as I share these, let me just invite you to ask, which of these are fears that I struggle with? Which of these would I recognize as being an issue or a potential issue in my own life? I think when we understand this, if we can identify our fear, we will understand the challenge and difficulty that Peter faced as he found himself at his crossroads, but it will help us to move forward in a way that is characterized by faith. So let's ask this morning that God would, would reveal which of these have been an issue, are an issue, or potentially could be an issue in the future. So there's 10 of them. Let me just share these, they way up on the screen as well. Uh, the fear of inadequacy, a common fear. This notion that you're not good enough, and uh, you're not able to do what is expected of you. Imposter syndrome, anyone heard of imposter syndrome? Sometimes a term that's used to describe this. We don't think that we're enough. That's the first one. The fear of uncertainty. So this comes down to to being afraid of the unknown. Not sure of what it is that might be around the corner. This can often cultivate a number of different what-if scenarios within our hearts. The fear of failure. Uh, We choose not to move forward in life. Out of a concern that we may fall short in some way. Ironically, this can then cause us to fail. The fear of rejection. This is when we're worried that for whatever reason, others might turn their back on us. And we're afraid that people might see us for who we really are and walk away. The fear of missing out, FOMO. We want to be included because we want to be accepted. And we want to be accepted because we believe a lie that social acceptance and knowledge of what's happening amongst others will in some way complete us. The fear of change. Uh, We're afraid that change will push us away from what we know and what we're familiar with. And because that may be a negative thing, we become afraid of any and every form of change. The fear of losing control. So this idea of being afraid of not being in charge of our own future, or destiny, This can then result in us feeling completely powerless to whatever might happen to us. The fear of something bad happening. Like walking down Carntine Road, six o'clock in the morning. So we have a list of potential bad things that could happen to us. Most of them are rare and extreme. But in fear, again, we say, "What what if this might happen to me this week? Or this might happen to someone I love this week. The fear of getting hurt. This is often connected with closeness of of relationship. Our anxiety stems from the fact that the closer we are to someone, the more likely we will be hurt by them. And finally, the fear of man. Common experience of being worried and anxious, again, about what others think of us. And in fear, we do everything we can to hide who we are and to please that particular individual. So... Ten common fears, of course, there's many other fears. But these are ten common fears that we can experience. And as I share these this morning, I want us to see that Jesus offers us a better alternative. So instead of a fear of inadequacy, a promise. I promise that in Christ we are enough. Amen. Because we are in him, and he is in us, we are enough. Instead of a fear of uncertainty, a promise that our future is secure. Amen. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We have no reason to be uncertain. Instead of a fear of failure. a promise that we have in Christ. And that he has granted us a victory. Because of the cross. In Christ he has granted us a victory. Through the cross. Instead of a fear of rejection. A promise that God has loved us and accepted us through Jesus' perfect sacrifice. Amen. We are accepted. We we have no reason to experience any fear of rejection because the one who made us has accepted us. We are no longer strangers and enemies. We are children of God. Instead of a fear of missing out, a promise that we are not defined by the people we are with, but instead we're defined by the one who met us in our brokenness and helps us in each and every moment of our lives. Instead of a fear of change, a promise of a recognition that Jesus is and He always will be our constant in whatever seasons of life we might find ourselves going through. Instead of a fear of losing control, a promise that our God is sovereign over all things, including every single detail of our lives, big and small. And instead of a fear of something bad happening to us, a promise that God works all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Instead of a fear of getting hurt, I promise that no weapon, no weapon, whatever weapon that may be, formed against you will ever, ever prosper. And finally, instead of a fear of man, I promise that a fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And a life of wisdom is a life that God has called us into. So when we choose to fear God, we choose not to fear anything else. It's the only fear that God calls us to to have, to carry. Because a fear of God puts every other fear into perspective. So let us replace these fears with promises and promises found in his word. And this leads us on to our final point this morning. As we think about freedom uh, from fear, freedom from fear rests On the promise of God's constant love for us. And as we close, I want us just to rest on what happens next. In verses 31 to 33, we see a very practical outworking of what has just happened between Jesus and Peter. So Matthew writes, Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly you are the Son of God. So we see something incredible happen amongst these disciples. Peter is sinking. Peter cries out to Jesus, as you would. And Jesus catches Peter. Jesus then challenges Peter and the rest of the disciples, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And the disciples are blown away by the actions of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the immediate change that they see in their surroundings. The wind ceases, the storm goes. And they cannot help but worship Jesus in this moment. And it's here they make this public confession, truly you are the son of God. There's a connection, I believe, between our public confession that Jesus is Lord and God's power at work within us to overcome our fears, whatever fear that might be. And that recognition that Jesus is Lord and that resulting freedom from fear, it gives us a confident expectation of God's constant love for us in every moment. So I wonder this morning, as you ponder what it is you're afraid of today, or what it is you have a potential to be afraid of, have you considered praying this prayer? As the disciples in many senses prayed, Jesus, you are the Son of God, and in this moment I'm going to trust you. Jesus, you are the Son of God, and in this moment I'm going to trust you. The Apostle John makes this connection between our confession that Jesus is God and the depth of relationship we can experience as a result. And in 1 John 4, verses 15 to 18, we read this. Such encouragement for our souls this morning. John says this, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God remains in him and he in God. This is a testimony of what happens in Matthew 14, verse 16. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So we confess and we know and we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and we will come to terms with the love that God has for us. That word confess, is a loaded word. When you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, you're not only confessing that he is God, you're also confessing that Christ alone is enough to save you and to bring you back into a right relationship. And you're also confessing that because he has saved you, he's going to help you. He's going to help you today. He's going to help you Tomorrow. He's going to help you in the midst of all of your fears. John then reinforces that this is going to be an ongoing blessing for each one of us. And we read this in in verse 16. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. And in verses 17 to 18, we see the promise of God's constant love for each one of us and how that's going to expel every single fear. John writes, in this, love has made complete with us so that we may have confidence in a day of judgment because as he is, So also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. God says something similar as he speaks through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 1, he says this, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. So the death penalty of our fear will come When we know and experience the depth of love that God has for each one of us. Fears will go when we know God's love for us. And the call this morning is to have laser-like focus on the abundant and generous love of God. When you do that, it will conquer every single fear. Including the fears we've just mentioned. Including the fear of death and judgment itself that John speaks of here. So let me close this morning by asking three questions of our passage and just use these questions as a way of, of reflecting upon your own life as you go into this week. Number one, have I put my faith and trust in Jesus for my salvation? As I said, that's the starting point. Our focus it has to begin with whether or not we are saved. <laughs> Number two, in what ways have I failed to trust Jesus and the promises in his word around this fear or these fears that I have carried or potentially could carry. So think through particular fears and lies attached to those fears that you've believed. And finally, what promises from God's word do I need as a means of refocusing away from fear and onto Christ? So what, what verses, when I say what promises, I mean what verses do you need to focus on in order that you may overcome fear and practically do this? Very similar to last week. We looked at these lies and then we thought about lies that can be replaced by God's word in a very similar way. Think about the fears you have. Think about the lies attached to those fears and substitute those fears and lies with the promises found in God's word. So this morning we want to give you an opportunity to respond. Uh, We're going to respond through song. So in freedom, we can worship and give thanks for all that God and Christ has done for us. We're also going to respond by coming to the table. We do this every Sunday and we do so because this table represents the fact that we have victory against fear, every fear. As we come to this table, we are remembering Christ's perfect sacrifice for each one of us. And it's a moment to remember his great love for us, his constant love for us. But it's also a moment to reflect on whether or not we need to confess sin, perhaps sin attached to fear, This table is for anyone who professes faith in Jesus. And for anyone who's maybe not sure, for anyone who's still on a journey of faith, we would invite you not to come to the table. Instead, our invitation is to observe, to pray and ask that God would would reveal more and more of his love and grace towards you. So it was on the night in which he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. And in the same way he took the cup, And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. As often as we take this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Christ is going to return. Christ is going to return. There is nothing that we need to be afraid of today. Paul writes these words to Timothy. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Let's pray. Father, we we pray that we would be men and women of faith and not fear. Lord, as we have taken time just to contemplate the example of the disciples and Peter, Lord, I pray that we would glean so much from their example both in terms of what they we did well, but also what we did wrong. And Lord, help us in your, in your power and by your grace to be a people who cling on to your promises, who choose in those moments, those instant moments of fear and worry and anxiety. Lord, I pray that we would choose in that moment to pray. We would ask for your strength and help and we would cling on to your word. And we would choose to substitute those emotions of fear with promises that are found in Scripture. So Lord, help that to be characteristic of our weak. Would you guard us, Lord, from the evil one? Would you help us to be bold and courageous, knowing that you're with us wherever we go? And it's in your precious name we ask this. Amen.